Unless otherwise indicated, Ratchet Book Club is intended for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is greatly advised. Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537, Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com, Ratchet Book Club on Twitter, Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Chapter 4. Ooh, baby, yes, yes, right there, right there, shit, Kiara moaned loudly. She didn't know how they ended up in Quilil's bed with his face in between her thighs, but she was enjoying every second of it. He was tending to all her sexual needs. He licked on her clit while he inserted two of his fingers inside of her. Kara was so wet, it felt like Khalil was swimming in her pussy with his fingers. He put his face back in it, savoring every lick and kiss he planted on her vagina. Why is that comma there? You taste so good, he whispered. Her juices were all over his mouth. Kara bit down on her bottom lip to keep herself from screaming too loud. She wrapped her hands around Quilil's head, pushing his face deeper inside of her box. Quilil was tongue-kissing her other set of lips that couldn't talk. Word, guys, come on. Come on, fellas. So, let's talk about pussy, okay? There's ways that you could describe it. There's not a lot of new ways to describe it. And to kiss the other lips... That's really all that needs to be said. You didn't have to put the can't talk on it. Um, please don't ever use wound again. Box. Ugh. Oh, God. There's just a few that just don't get me. Okay, so here's the list of words, euphemisms to describe vagina that just are as bad as the word moist. By Derek. Wound. Hall of Fame. All-time great. LeBron James level. Uh, slit. Gash. Um, box. Quim. Coo. Coos. Um, I think that's about it. Yeah, I think that's really about it. The way he worked his tongue around her clitoris was magical. Unlike a lot of guys, he knew what he was doing down there. Kiara could feel her climax coming. Ah, I'm coming. Yes, baby, don't stop. I'm coming. Her legs began to jerk as she released her cream filling all over Quilil's mouth. You don't write very many sex scenes, do you? Like, you want people to fall into the, the mode of what you're saying. And cream filling... Just ain't it, dog. Like, 
Some of these folks be writing shit that makes me wonder how often they have sex. And how often they have, how often their partners have orgasms. And how often they just get what they get from porn. Cream filling. Okay. The reason why I'm saying that, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I'm guessing. When my wife squirts, it's not cream, it's liquid. And, um, I probably shouldn't have said that. Fuck it. She does. She squirts. Um, the cream is from, like, insertion? Like, the, the, I don't know. I'm not even going to guess that I know. I don't know. I could be wrong. And if I'm wrong, I'm going to keep talking and keep being wrong about it. So I'm just going to stop. But I know that when my wife orgasms, what doesn't happen is a tumbling of cream coming out of her vagina. I, she squirts. And when she has an orgasm, I can feel it. And I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Hold on. I'm going to check. As I was almost stupid enough to look that up on my home computer and incur thousands of fucking viruses because looking up the phrase creaming during orgasm is going to take you to a place you can't really explain your way out of. Um, so, so based on everything I've read today, because yes, I looked into this and did research. Um, the cream that forms during sex uh, comes from the Bartholin glands, which are the two pea-sized glands at the entrance to the vagina. Um, they uh, keep the vagina lubricated, and during arousal, the Bartholin glands secrete extra fluid to reduce friction. It actually secretes a mucus, um, and the glands are at the four o'clock and eight o'clock position at the vaginal vestibule on each side of the vaginal opening. And this is from Carger.com, uh, the clinical pathology of Bartholin's glands, a review of the literature. Uh, turns out those glands can become uh, infected. You can get abscesses. So ladies, be careful and be sure to uh, check yourself every so often because they are described as very painful. I wouldn't have had to go into any of that shit if you had just been accurate. I mean, shit. Quillil didn't stop. He kept eating her out as he switched back and forth from licking her pussy and ass. Quillil was putting a hurting on Kiara with his tongue game. I'm gonna come again. Fuck, she hissed as she climaxed for a second time. Quillil finally got up and took off his drawers, much to the delight of Kiara. She was thoroughly impressed with the package she saw in front of her. It was pretty... Long, thick, and black. Just how she liked him. He tried reaching for a rubber off his dresser, but Kiara took his dick in her hands and started topping him off. Quillil liked her aggressiveness. She started off slow, sucking the tip, while she caressed his balls with her free hand. She worked her mouth up and down on his joystick. I'm telling y'all, these commas are just out of hand. The sounds her mouth was making on his dick sounded like she was beatboxing. <laughs> Quillil couldn't deny her oral skills. Kiara could feel his pre-cum at the tip of her tongue. She went back to licking and sucking the tip for a few more minutes before she began deep-throating him like her life depended on it. 
Shorty had no gag reflex. Damn, girl, he groaned. Quillil guided her head up and down. His dick was hitting the back of her tonsils. Ah, that's it, right there, he moaned. Quillil was in ecstasy. He leaned his head back, loving the feel of Kiara's mouth on his manhood. Kiara's head game was second to none. She had him on cloud nine. Quillil felt his nut approaching. Kiara licked his shaft up and down before wrapping her lips back around his penis. She went full throttle, sucking harder and harder until he finally let loose in her mouth like a water hose. Kiara swallowed every drop. She wiped her mouth and grabbed the Magnum XL off the dresser. Now you can put this on, she told him. Quillil reached for it, but Kiara pushed his hand away. Uh-uh, I got this. Kiara ripped open the wrapper, softly grabbed his slong, <laughs> slong, and slid the Magnum on nice and slow. She then turned around, signaling she wanted to get fucked doggy style. Her back was arched and ass tooted all the way in the air. She wanted her shit beat up in a real way. Kiara's pussy lips were wide open, ready for Quillil to invade them. You know, the next hood classic I'm going to read isn't going to be a hood classic at all. It's actually going to be one of those um, books with Fabio on the cover. So it's going to be a white hood classic, I guess. Because I just want to read how women write this. Because every book that I've read where women are writing about men having sex with women, they either talk about short, strong dick game or they talk about how the man is constantly inflicting pain. So, yeah, we're going to listen to a book where the women are just writing from engorged phallus stage and go from there. That's, that's coming soon. As soon as he penetrated, Kiara threw it back on him, clapping her ass on his dick. Oh, yes, baby, she said lowly. Quillil sped up his strokes. He beat her pussy down to the point she buried her face in one of the pillows. Quillil was hitting her walls like he was trying to knock them down. Fuck me just like that, Kiara let out. He caressed her titties with one hand while he continued to thrust inside of her. Aw, oh, shit, he yelped. Quillil got the hiccups. Good pussy made a nigga get those during sex. What the fuck? <laughs> so, here's what I need y'all to do. Listen to me. Listen, Linda. Listen. Tommy, listen. My Twitter name is Ratchet Book Club. There's no different spellings in that. It's just Ratchet Book Club. Please pause this goddamn episode unless you're driving. If you're driving, keep going. But pause this goddamn episode otherwise and let me know on Twitter if good sex gives you the hiccups. One thing that I've never had happen is... Me and my wife are having sex, and all of a sudden it feels so good that I'm just like, oh my god, I'm, I, I got the hiccups. I, I'm, I'm coming. I'm, oh, 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 my, I need 10 sips of water. I never heard of a nigga having the hiccups because of good pussy. Never heard of a woman busting in the hiccups because of good pussy. You know what I hear about? A lot. A lot, a lot. Motherfuckers getting cramps in their legs from going too deep with that stroke game. Motherfuckers getting cramps in the weirdest fucking places. I've heard of motherfuckers getting cramps in the balls or their toes because they're curling their toes up and then that shit just click, click, and they got cramps. I ain't never, ever, ever heard of a motherfucking getting hiccups from good sex. 
Nigga, you can't take your life story and make it everybody's. Please, y'all, tweet me if you've ever gotten hiccups from good sex. That's all I'm asking. I want to know. You ain't got to give details. You can give as many details as possible. But have you ever got hiccups during good sex? Has your man ever smashed her from the back and you just suddenly needed a drink of water? Has she ever been riding you and you were just like, Hiccup. I need to know. I, oh, God. Ooh, that's my spot right there. Oh, my God, right there, Kiara exclaimed. The dick was crack. She reached her hand back and massaged Quilil's balls, bracing herself for the nut she felt coming. She began queefing uncontrollably as Quilil penetrated deeper inside her. What the fuck, dude? She's... There's nothing wrong with queefing. Absolutely nothing wrong. But that is... What other sexy thing can I put in this book? Let me see. She's already got pussy so good I got the hiccups. Now as I smash into her, she's going to start queefing. There's nothing wrong with it. I mean, it's just like that is... Like, seriously? Okay. He grabbed her hair while sticking his tongue down her throat. Ah! He grunted. Shit, I'm coming again. Don't stop. Yes, don't stop, Kiara announced. They came at the same time. Neither of them realized the condom had ripped until Quilil pulled out. It's okay. I'm on the pill, Kiara let him know. Both were breathing hard, and their bodies were covered in sweat, but Quilil wasn't finished. Lay on your back, he instructed Kiara. She looked down and noticed his erection was still intact. Damn, he still rock hard. He got on top of her and slid his penis back inside her. Kiara wrapped her legs around his head. Quilil was in perfect rhythm as he grinded on top of her. Kiara couldn't deny his sexual prowess. She busted FOMO nuts before the night was over. This was the kind of dick therapy she had been craving, but she didn't know where things were going to lead with Quilil. Surely Kiara didn't want to get involved with another street cat, but Quilil was very enticing to her, and the sex was incredible. She fell asleep with a lot on her mind. Kiara awoke to a sleeping Quilil next to her. The sun was already out. She looked at her phone and saw it was almost 9 a.m. I need to go home. A part of her wanted to wake up Quilil and get some more dick, but she decided against it. She still hadn't recovered from last night anyway. Kiara hurried and put her clothes on while he was still asleep. After getting dressed, she looked around Quilil's place and realized how nice it actually was. It was a two-story condo in Soho, which could go for several hundred thousand to millions. Soho is one of the wealthiest areas in New York in terms of real estate. CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, Wall Street bankers, and mega church pastors live in Soho. Kiara saw all the books he had on his living room shelf, from the biography of Malcolm X, Booker T. Washington's, Up From Slavery, and Dr. Claude Anderson's, Powernomics, to name a few. For the unsophisticated, Up From Slavery is Booker T. Washington's uh, autobiography. The thing is, this nigga put a comma where there shouldn't have been a comma. It should have been um, Booker T. Washington's Up From Slavery. He put the apostrophe after the S to indicate possession, but then he put the comma. So, you know, wherever I see a comma in his book, I'm going to do it because, again, let me be your editor. She was impressed by his knowledge. Just because a nigga read don't mean he's smart. Look at me. Look at me. 
Quilil rarely brought females to his home, but Kiara was an exception. Why? This was the first night. Nigga, you took her from the club straight to the bed. You don't know much. I'm not saying anything about her, but you don't know a lot. She could have been a setup dame. After all, all signs are pointing to you double-crossed her brother. All of them. I would have at least got a last name. Something. Then you would have found out, you know, huh, what's Mello's last name? That's wild. She still had to go back to the club and get her car. As magical as last night with Kiara was. Oh, so there's no comma there. So after all these fucking commas in the wrong spots, you just decide, I'm going to leave a comma out just to switch things up a bit. As magical as last night was, comma, Kiara was adamant about not pursuing a real relationship with Khalil. Even though he was charming, I know you tried to do the underline for was because he it, he underlined the A-S and was. Mm, don't block it, homie. Like, like, use the arrow to make sure the whole thing is covered before you do the control U, fam. Where the fuck is your editor? Although he was charming, I'm just going to emphasize what he underlined. Handsome and the dick was 80s crack. She knew the game and quite frankly was enough for the roller coaster ride of dating the trap nigga. Again. She knew how that story ended. She ordered an Uber and left before Quilil woke up. She called Maxine on the way. Hello? She answered groggily. So you Casper the ghost now? Kiara joked. Huh? Bitch, you just disappeared on me last night. Where'd you go? Home with that dreadhead you was dancing with? Yeah. Maxine was still half asleep. Uh-huh. But guess where I'm coming from right now? Key, it's too early to be playing guessing games. Just tell me. Quilil's place. What? Kiara had Maxine's undivided attention. You heard me. Are you serious, Key? Dead ass. I don't get a chance in California to say dead ass too often in a book setting. So when I do get a chance to say dead ass, you better be dead ass serious. I'm going to take the good chance to say it with as much vim, vigor, and vitality as I got. Dead ass. Maxine started screaming on the phone. How'd that happen, girl? I want all the details. Matter of fact, where you at now? In an Uber on my way back to the club to get my car so I can go home? Uber? Why don't you just get Quilil to take you? I left before he woke up. So you gave him some pussy last night? I sure did. Bitch. I'm about to be on my way to your house. I want to hear this in person. Now, the bitch? I didn't say it with enough power because I had four exclamation points and then a period. Bitch! I'm about to be on my way to your house. I want to hear this in person. You can't go from exclamation points like that to just periods. Like, isn't it all excited? I don't know. Bye, Maxine. See you in a minute. Quilil woke up to an empty bed. He could still smell Kiara's scent on his sheets, but her body wasn't in them. He checked all 2,800 square feet of his condo, but she was gone. Quilil planned on cooking Kiara breakfast, but the beautiful woman he shared a passionate night of intimacy with left without saying so much as the goodbye. Quilil reached for his cell to call her, but remembered he didn't have her number. Fuck, he said aloud. Things escalated so quickly between them he forgot to ask her for it. He put his cell down on the table, cursing himself for not getting her line. I'll find her. Seconds later, his phone began vibrating. It was AK. What's good, money? Quilil answered. I'm way out there. Where you at? About to get dressed. Q.
get dressed. You're supposed to be out the door already. Did you forget what day it is? You know we got that party to go to this morning, a.k.a. speaking in code. Nah, I ain't forget, nigga. I just overslept. You got the cake or you got to order it? I just picked it up from my G-Mom crib. Alright, I'll see you over there. Bet. One. Quillil hung up. Whenever Quillil and AK discussed street business over the phone, they always spoke in code. Quillil knew of too many dudes that got caught up for talking reckless on the jack. It was nothing for the feds to tap your line, so it was imperative that they always stay one step ahead of the game. Quillil went to unlock his safe that he had hidden behind an African painting on the wall. Ridiculous stacks of money were staring him directly in the face after he opened it. That is not how you spell staring, fam. He pulled out some of the bills and started counting it on his money machine. Once he counted the correct amount, he grabbed a black duffel bag from his closet and filled it with money. It was time to pay their connect, Bahar. Bahar was an Albanian man with a restaurant in Staten Island called Deborah's. The restaurant was named after his late wife, but was really a front for drug dealing. Quillil and AK met with them month to month to bring him his payment. Bahar was originally from Lazarat a small village in Albania, but he moved to America in 1996, one year before the Albanian Civil War. He had been living in the country for over 20 years. The authorities were on the Bihar, but they could never prove anything. His restaurant was a perfect cover. Many of his customers had no idea he was a drug lord, and the few that did kept their mouths shut. No one was crazy enough to snitch on him. Bihar was a very unassuming guy. He was only 5'7", 145 pounds. Wait for it, people. He was only 5'7", 145 pounds, soak and wet. <laughs> I'm sorry. That sounds like charcuterie and uh, all these other things you see on Twitter where the folks say the words wrong and then get made fun of. Oh, my God. I... Soak and wet, but had more power than the president. Back in Albania, he was known as the boogeyman. He was responsible for a plethora of ruthless killings out there. Once he had a man beheaded in a barber shop for failing to pay him on time. Bahar had international hitmen on his payroll. Anyone who crossed him paid a fatal price. Bahar didn't play about his money, which is why Quilil always made sure they paid him on time. After he finished putting the money in the bag, he took a shower, brushed his teeth, and threw on a white Puma sweatsuit. He put on his Garvey chain and took out his Glock 43 caliber from his case. In Quillil's profession, pistols were like IDs, and he never left home without his. He went downstairs, hopped in his fully loaded, black-on-black -black Porsche Panamera, and headed to Staten Island. Quillil listened to rapper and Harlem native Dave East the entire 30-minute ride. In Quillil's mind, East was the hardest new MC out of New York. He was bringing back that gritty New York flow that the world fell in love with decades ago. His mixtapes, Karma 1 and 2, were straight fire. During the ride, Quillil thought about how far he and AK had come in the game. And the empire they built. He didn't regret what he did to Mello. In his mind, it had to be done. Quillil knew Mello was never going to give him the keys, so he took him. When he pulled in the back of Deborah's, he saw AK sitting on the hood of his blue bin, smoking a Newport. They never entered Bahar's restaurant from the front, only the back. Took your ass long enough, AK joked when Khalil got out the car. Whatever, nigga, he replied, dapping his boy up. You bag shorty from last night, he asked him. Yeah, and her name is Kiara. Whoa, look at you getting all defensive and shit. 
She got you pussy whipped already. Let you tell it. Quillil still couldn't believe Kiara left this morning without saying anything. He wasn't going to let her get away that easy, though. He popped the trunk and grabbed the duffel bag. AK did the same. Let's hurry up and get this shit over with, B, AK said. He hated coming to Staten Island, mainly because the police were always fucking with niggas up there. Staten Island is the same place that that race soldier choked Eric Garner to death in 2014, so AK was always on extra alert whenever he went out there. Quillil knocked on the back door. When Bahar's son, Irwin, saw who it was through the slit, he quickly opened it. What's up, Quillil? Come in. What's good, Irwin? How you been? Can't complain, my man. Life is good. What's up, AK? What's good, bro? You know, just living life, man. I feel it, AK told him. Is your pops here? Quillil asked. Yeah, he waiting for you guys downstairs. Follow me. Good looking. How Deborah's was set up, there was a spacious dining area out front where the customers ate. The kitchen was in the back, and in the kitchen, there was a stairwell that led to a basement downstairs. Only Bahar and his son Irwin had access to the basement. Employees knew not to go down there unless they were given permission to. When they got downstairs, Irwin knocked on the door. Just know, this next thing that I'm going to say, I tried to look it up everywhere. I tried to get a translation. Not a translation. I know what it translates to. I tried to get a pronunciation to make sure that I was being respectful of the culture. So we're going fully off what they gave me. All questions, concerns, and anger can be directed to the brick wall behind my house. Kush Esh. Who is it? A voice asked behind the door. He was speaking Albanian. Erwin. Quillil Eshketa. It's Erwin. Quillil is here. Erwin replied. A hairy, burly man with a fucked up hairline opened the door. He was one of Behar's bodyguards. I gotta get back to work. I'll talk to you later though, Erwin said. No doubt, Quillil told him. Erwin went back to the kitchen. Quillil and AK knew the routine. They were patted down by two of Bahar's men. Their guns were taken away from them. You get these back when you leave, the burly man told them. The basement was dimly lit. Quillil and AK followed behind the burly bodyguard as he led them to Bahar. There he was, sitting down at the table smoking a cigar. His hair was slicked back, and the gray Gucci suit he wore was just an example of his expensive taste in fashion. He got up and greeted them. Quillil and AK... It's nice to see you both. Please sit down, he said in his thick Albanian accent. They handed their duffel bags to Bahar, who gave them to his men. It's all there, Quillil told him before he and AK sat down. Bahar smiled. I know. So how's business going, he inquired. Business is good. Everyone is doing their job, Quillil told him. That's right. Ain't nobody making no real money in Harlem unless they down with us. We got shit on lock, AK added. Bahar nodded in silence, continuing to puff on his cohiba. When you have a good product, it practically sells itself, Bahar stated. Absolutely, Quillil replied. Nobody in the streets had cocaine as pure as Bahar. He was bringing in coke that was 90% pure. You could step on it a thousand times, and it was still better than the average work niggas were selling on the corner. Look, I'm having a little problem with one of my syndicates in Detroit, so I need you guys to push more product for me. AK's eyes lit up. More work meant more money, but Quillil was a little apprehensive. How much more? Quillil asked. Double, Bahar said, looking directly at him. 200 keys? That's a lot of work, Bahar. Yes, it is, but I'm confident you can handle it. Am I wrong? 
Hell no, nah, you ain't wrong. We can definitely handle it. We got the structure to do this, AK proclaimed. Is that true, Quilil? Do you have the structure for this? Bahar asked, looking for confirmation from him. Quilil and AK may have been partners, but Quilil was the brains behind the operation. He was the who... What? You you left out the word one, homie. He was the who ultimately called the shots. Together, they supplied damn near all of Harlem with dope, as well as parts of Queens, Brooklyn, and Jersey. Yeah, we do. More product is no problem for us, Quilil said convincingly. Bahar put a cigar out. Good. The next shipment will be delivered in a few days. This is a great opportunity for you. Take full advantage of it. Bahar had a lot of respect for Quilil and how he carried himself. He was by far his best worker. You better not say that. Mello said that shit and that nigga got him locked up for double murder. I still don't know how though. Like if y'all could just shine a little bit more light on that. Just a tad bit. Quilil and AK shook hands with Bahar and got ready to leave. Why don't you guys stay for lunch? On me. You know we have the best Albanian food in all of New York. Bahar's restaurant received numerous accolades for how great their food was. <clears throat> Albanian food schmacks, fam. Like, it is so fucking good. If you get a chance, which I hope you do, just come to my city. Don't ask for me, but come to my city. Once you get there, DM me, and I will give you the location of the best Albanian restaurant out here. It's on the north side. It is incredible. They have this tri-tip bowl that is just, oh, the rice and the, oh my God, I'm getting horny just thinking about it. Not hungry, my niggas. I am literally, my, I don't think I need to explain further. I'm not this nigga in this book. Thanks, but I got to go check on some of my businesses and do some inventory. Maybe next time. Quilil's businesses included a hair extension shop, nightclub, cleaners, fish restaurant, and a few car washes. You've turned into such a great businessman. One day, you might have your own cartel, he told him. <clears throat> Quilil wasn't interested in running a cartel. <clears throat> but out of respect for Bihar, he didn't protest and just nodded in silence. They got their guns back and left. Yo, we about to be richer than we already are, son. Double the product. We really about to take this shit to another level, AK said energetically. He was hyped, but noticed his partner wasn't as thrilled. You don't seem too excited. What's good? He asked Quilil. How much longer are you trying to do this? Oh, wait. That was Quilil asking how much longer he's trying to do this. See, that's what happens when you don't have sentence breaks or line breaks or even paragraphs i was excited when i saw a paragraph i thought the first chapter was just a hiccup turns out nope that paragraph was a mistake his editor was like oh and then no more what's good he asked quilil how much long are you trying to do this what you mean slanging yeah i, I know that you don't want to say how much long you're trying to do this Quilil said, slang, what, slanging, AK said, yeah, Quilil said, I know, back and forth, it's tedious, copy and paste that shit, I don't know, something, because if you're not going to use paragraphs, and you're not going to use sentence breaks, and you're not going to use names, this shit isn't, it's not difficult to read, it's just annoying, there was a brief silence between them, until I die shit, that's all I know. 
We've been hustling since we were kids. While niggas were riding bikes and studying for SATs, we were running around learning the game. Hell, if trapping was school, we both would have graduated with honors. I love this shit, AK said passionately. He was going to hustle until his number was called. AK worked off impulse. He didn't care about the future, only the here and now. Quillil was different. He wanted more and didn't want to have to look over his shoulder for the rest of his life. Well, you put a nigga in jail for double murder. I think you're going to have to be a little bit more cautious for the rest of your days. Look, man, I hear you, but niggas can't do this shit forever. 200 keys is a shitload of work and puts us deeper in the game than we already are. Who knows what kind of problems Bihar having in Detroit. The Fed's probably on his ass out there, which ain't good for us. We've been doing this shit long enough. Why not retire early? You really ready to give all this up? Yeah, I am. We already got legit businesses and enough money put away. I'm thinking after we move this work for him, we bow out gracefully. Quillette was trying to convince his best friend that quitting the drug gang would be beneficial for both of them. But AK had an unsure look on his face. He loved hustling. It wasn't just about the money with him either. It was the power and fame that came along with being a hustler that he loved as well. He had no intention of giving those things up. There, T-H-E-R-E instead of T-H-I-R, conversation was interrupted by Quillil's cell phone ringing. It was his mother. Hey, mama. You need to talk to your hard-headed ass cousin before I beat her, she said angrily. What you talking about, ma? Ashley. I was cleaning her room and found some condoms in her drawer. Ashley was Quillil's little cousin. After his uncle Scotty, at he spelled Ashley wrong. You can't be spelling Ashley wrong like the third time you say the word Ashley. Like, wait until the 29th, my nigga. After his uncle Scotty, Ashley's father was killed, Quillil's mother, Gloria, took her in and raised her as one of her own. Quillil saw her as more of a little sister than a cousin. They were extremely close. Ashley is 18, mama. She's not a baby anymore. At least you know she's being safe. I don't give a damn about her being 18. She's still too young to be having sex, Quillil. Okay, Ma. I'll talk to her. You do that. My brother will flip out if he were alive and found those things in her drawer. Okay, Ma. I, I gotta go. I'll talk to you later. Love you. Love you too, baby. And don't forget to talk to Ashley. Okay. Quillil hung up, shaking his head. What's the deal? AK asked. Mom found some condoms in Ashley's drawer and went off. Damn, that's wild. Tell me about it. I got a shake, though. I'm going to get up with you later. Think about what I said. Bet. Quillil headed to a shop on 125th and Lenox Avenue. He had to have a talk with his baby cousin. Chapter 5 Hakeem sat down on the bench and waited for Pierre to come through the prison doors. He didn't know how he was going to react about Kiara, but he had to let him know what she was on. By the way... Paragraph started at the beginning. Like when the new chapter happens, there's a paragraph. There's no other paragraphs in this book, except for at the beginning of each chapter. After a few minutes of waiting, Pierre came in, escorted by a CO in his orange jumpsuit. Pierre looked bigger. All he had been doing on the inside is lifting weights and reading urban fiction novels. He really liked Wahida Clark's Thugs and the Women Who Loved Them series. He could personally relate to the male characters in that book. Reading and lifting were the only things that kept Pierre's mind off Kiara. He hadn't talked or seen her in over a year, and it was driving him crazy. She was with him when he was shining, but now that he hit rock bottom, she showed her true colors. His love for her was turning into pure hate. Hakeem hated to see his boy locked down like this, but he understood that it was a part of the game they chose to play. What's good, son? P. 
Pierre greeted his boy just after picking up the phone. You know, same shit, different toilet, just trying to survive out there. How you holding up? Trying to stay sane in this shithole. Any word, though? Akeem knew what Pierre was getting at. I saw her at a club in Harlem last night. That instantly pissed him off. Pissed off Pierre, not Hakeem. You know, this nigga doesn't really attribute statements or thoughts. She got time to go clubbing, but ain't wrote or been in here to see me in over a year? Pierre was furious. This bitch got me fucked up. All the money I spent on her ass and this how she do it, nigga? Did you talk to her? Yeah. Yeah, what? Spit it out, nigga. She was tripping hard, talking about fuck you. And the reason she stopped talking and coming to see you is because you got another bitch pregnant behind her back. Pierre had a confused look on his face. I got another bitch pregnant? Where'd she hear that bullshit from? I don't know, but she was pretty adamant about it. She was going off on me for defending you. So that's why she ain't wrote or been up here to see me? Awesome bullshit ass rumor that ain't even true? I ain't got no damn kids. Pierre couldn't believe Kiara let a weak-ass rumor like that come between them. He thought with everything they had been through, she would at least give him the benefit of the doubt. Sure, Pierre did his thing on the side from time to time, but he was never reckless enough to slide in a bitch raw and get her pregnant. He was smarter than that. Sure, Pierre was known to cheat, but he was faithful. Sure, Pierre was known to, you know, fuck him. But he was never reckless enough to slide up in him raw. Who would do that? That's crazy talk. That's what I tried to tell her, but she wasn't trying to hear her, fam. Her homegirl even tried to get loud with me. Light-skinned bitch with a round nose? Yeah. That's that bitch Maxine. She probably won't fill in Kiara's head with all that bullshit. Pierre never did like Maxine, but he tolerated her because she was Kiara's girl. Oh no, man, but hopefully Kiara will come around. I doubt it. It's been a year and she ain't even thought so much as to write me a letter. Fuck it. It's over. Hakeem could see how depressed his boy was. Damn, Kiara must have some fire pussy for my nigga to be tripping like this. Has anyone else been up here to see you? Hakeem asked, changing the subject. Just my little sister, Jasmine. She been bringing my niece Paris up here with her. On the real, that's been one of the main things keeping me going or else I'll be killing niggas in here, Akeem, straight up. How the fuck, in their whole relationship, in all the time they were together, moving weight, you my Bonnie and Clyde and all that shit, how the fuck did you never, ever, ever introduce her to or mention your sister who is now so fucking important to you that she has your name tattooed on her wrist? dog how does that happen how does your sister not know your girl that lives with you and moves weight for you and does everything for you how does she know nothing about your sister how does kiara know nothing about her where is this disconnect coming from what kind of stupid shit is this i was better with it when i thought he just fucked her but this is just fucking dumb like, seriously, dog, you're going to tell me that nobody communicated this shit? She was with you for two goddamn years, my nigga. Two years. And you never told her, hey, B, we going to go out and have dinner with my, with my sister and her daughter. Paris. Never. Not once. How do rumors get started? They're started by stupid-ass niggas like this who 
Oh my God, this is awful. This is just... You know what? They had the same dad, but different moms. Jasmine lived in Yonkers with her daughter. When Pierre was in the streets hustling, he always made sure his baby sister was straight. He planned on introducing her to Kiara, but got locked up before he could. Y'all were together for two years. Nigga, suck my ass. Jasmine loved her big brother. She even tattooed his name on her wrist to keep his memory alive while he was inside. He ain't dead, and having his name on her wrist literally looks like... Okay. I put some bread on your books before I came up here. Appreciate that, homie, and good looking on tracking down Kiara for me. I owe you one. It was nothing. Keep your head up in here. No doubt. They put their fists up to the glass, and I keen watched as the CL came to escort Pierre back to his cell. So let me get this another paragraph. So let me get this straight. You walk up to a beautiful naked man and just left without even saying goodbye? Maxine asked Kiara in disbelief. They were chilling at Kiara's place. Yes, why is it so hard to believe? Because normal bitches don't do that. I mean, if it was me, I would have hopped on his dick and got a few nuts off before I hit the road. You so nasty, Maxine. Nigga, you thought about doing it. I know you're not calling me nasty and you still got dick on your breath, Maxine joked. Fuck you, Kiara replied, playfully nudging her. But seriously, I can't believe you just left like that. I know Quillil gonna be blowing your phone up. He can't. Why? Because I didn't give him my number. Maxine shot her a crazy look. Girl, what's wrong with you? Quillil is a mill ticket. Now, did you mean to spell that like a million dollar ticket? Or I'm guessing you meant to spell it like a million dollar ticket. M-I-L. Ticket. And you didn't give him your number? How you give out the pussy but not your line? You tripping. No, I'm not. Things escalated so fast that I forgot to give it to him. But looking back on it, I'm glad I didn't. And why is that? I told you I'm done being in relationships with drug dealers. So it's okay to fuck drug dealers, but it's wrong to date them? Maxine asked sarcastically. Shut up. You know what I mean, Maxine. Yeah, yeah, but fuck a relationship. You get as much bread as you can from his ass. Quillil's sitting on millions, Key. He ain't Pierre or your average hustler out here. That nigga money mad long. And what happens when he gets locked up or killed, huh? I'd be in the same fucked up position I was in when Pierre got knocked. I've been there. Done that, Maxine. And I'm not impressed by how much money a nigga got. I guess, Key, Maxine said, giving up on trying to school her girl. So what happened with you and the dreadhead? Let's just say my rent is paid for the month, Maxine said, rolling a blunt. Oh, Lord, you a mess. Well, niggas better come clean me up. What the fuck? Kiara turned on the news and couldn't believe what she saw. An arrest warrant was issued for Tyler Williams, an American star basketball player overseas, for drugging and raping multiple women in New York. Mr. Williams has just been taken into custody this morning and is facing a slew of sexual assault charges. We'll have more on this story later in the hour, the female anchor reported. Kiara and Maxine were in complete shock. We was just with this bitch-ass nigga last night, Maxine said. I know. Now I know why his ass was trying so hard to give me that drink. He probably put some bullshit in it and was hoping to rape me too. I'm glad I ain't drink that shit, Kiara said with disgust. She was mad at herself for ever sleeping with Tyler. I'm glad you didn't either. Nigga foul for that. Kiara's thoughts were interrupted by her phone ringing. Hello, she answered. Kiara, I need you to come in tonight. Cinnamon and Harmony both called out sick, Money said. 
It was her day off, and she didn't really feel like going in. You can't get nobody else to cover? No. Now bring your ass in here tonight by 8, or you're fired. Damn. See, these industries... You see the uh, niggas in restaurants getting treated like shit all the time. Like the servers. Like, you got to work a double or else. You got to do this, that, and the third or else. I tell my niggas straight out. Like, if you can avoid it, do not work in the restaurant industry as a server. Because they don't give a fuck about you. At all. Most restaurants don't give a fuck about you. McDonald's. Arby's. Fucking Ruth Chris. They are ruthless when it comes to talking to you when they need something. But as soon as you have something going on... I'm sorry that your parent died, but you don't need no personal day. We need you in here right now. Like, fuck that shit. I quit, but I didn't know, you know, a strip club was like that. I guess, though. Shit, that's crazy. Whatever, Kiara said, hanging up. I'm so tired of working at this bullshit-ass club. Kiara planned on quitting soon. She had some money saved up, but wanted to stack a little more before she quit. I don't even know why you put up with that shit, Key. You ain't got to work there. I mean, look at you. You're fucking gorgeous. Any nigga would gladly take care of you, Maxine told her. I don't want nigga to take care of me, Maxine. I can make my own money. Really? Really, you can? Word? You don't need no nigga to take care of you because Pierre was taking care of you and you were pretty fucking happy about it. So is a Uchi Waller is a one mic because you were very happy about spending that nigga's cash. And when he went to jail, you found out that the jobs you were trying to get out there in the world didn't add up to the lifestyle that Pierre has set you up with. So you weren't content with working those places, which is how you ended up working as a stripper in the first place. So which one is it? Are you able to make your own money or nah? Because it sounds like you're about to jump right back into living off uh, Quilil's money next because this is called wifey of a trap king. It's not a long stretch story. It just irritates me. Like this, the writing, the writing. You know what? Because I know a lady would have been honest about that shit. Like I can make my own money, but I'm, I'm, I'm shit. It ain't tricking if they got it. I'm going to take their money too. I'm going to live off what they got. I'm going to do what, that, what I need to do to stack my funds up. Whatever it may be. That's fine. Get it how you live, ma. But what this nigga's doing is just being willfully obtuse about the fact that this motherfucker lived off Pierre for two goddamn years. And is now living in the fucking projects. Okay. All right. Well, you better get some rest so you can have enough energy to shake your ass for them Bengay smelling niggas tonight. I fucking hate you. I love you too, bitch. Maxine shot back. I got errands to run, so I'll talk to you later. I only came by to hear about your hoe excursions with Quilil anyway. Nosy ass, Kiara said and gave her bestie a hug. After Maxine left, Kiara hurried to the shower. She still smelled like sex from last night. As the water dripped down her body... Kiara closed her eyes and imagined Quilil was in the shower with her, planting kisses all over her body like he had done the night before. She felt tingling between her legs and didn't hesitate to pleasure herself. She let out slight moans as she moved her fingers around in a circular motion. As good as the masturbating felt, she wished Quilil was there to give her the real thing. She wanted him to scratch her itch again. Kiara came in the shower and watched as it flow down the drain. She finished washing herself off and got out with Quilil on her mind. She couldn't stop thinking about him. Kiara lotioned her body down and decided to get some rest before her night shift at the club. 
916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Leave a review on Spotify. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Leave a review on Amazon Music. Leave a review on Podchaser. And leave a review on the Good Pods app. You can donate to the show at patreon.com slash single simulcast. One dollar will get you like hella content. Hella. I ain't even playing with you. Like, go take a look. You might even be able to listen to some of that shit for free because they wouldn't let me change that shit. But most of it will cost you a dollar. My recipes cost 15 bucks, though. Um, you can also donate to the show at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast or on the Good Pods app. You can leave a tip in the tip jar. Thank y'all so much for listening. I greatly do appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm going to holler at you later. Peace. and outro to Ratchet Book Club is by That Kid Garan and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat. This is Single Simulcast. Don't know by now that you slipped.